There is none like you, Father. There's none like you, Jesus. No one could touch my heart like you do. We're worshiping the one and only. your name on high we magnify you because there is truly none like you our hearts are yours to him you're yielding to him and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is sometimes subtle sometimes it's loud and crashing sometimes it's just a soft breeze but allow him to minister to you today allow him to fill you up afresh as you worship Jesus the Holy Spirit moves Chains fall off. Burdens are removed. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Now else can touch my heart like you do? the 99 and he went searching for you he surrounds you with his arms of love today his eyes are filled with rivers of living water that as the Holy Spirit ministers to you Jesus it's like him wrapping him arms around you in love 
saying it's going to be all right. Saying it's going to come through. I'm here for you. I never leave you. I never forsake you. All the past that is gone, the joys, the highs, the lows, it's all wrapped up in eternity in me and I hold you tight. I hold your head to my bosom. As you cry, as you laugh, I am with you. And your future is in me. We could truly search for all eternity and never find, never find what you offer us. But you found us. In our searching, you found us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for being the great shepherd. Thank you that we know your voice and we are never led astray. Thank you for being our healer, our provider, our comforter. to welcome you in, family. Hallelujah. Elton, if you can keep playing, girls, you can sit down if you like. I was reminded when I was just worshipping and I'm trusting God with the, the flow of the service today. In the book of James, in verse 18, there's a passage that we always quote and of course we're faith people aren't we but it says this are any of you suffering hardships you should pray are any of you happy you should sing praises are any of you sick you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, we always focus on the power section there and the faith and the, the results. First Corinthians it says this the human body has many parts but the many parts make up of one whole body so it is with the body of Christ some of us are Jews some of us are Gentiles some of us are slaves and some are free but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit yes the body had many different parts not just one part if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand that does not make it any less part of the body and if the ear says I am not part of the body because I am not an eye. Would that make it any less part of the body? 
If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put us each part just where he wants it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. When you stub your little toe, your ears know. That's the way the brain works and functions. When pain comes, it lets the whole body know that something's wrong. Now, of course, there's sharp pain, slow pain, long pain, short pain. But your body knows when you're in pain. And the book of James talking about anyone suffering hardships, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Confess your sins to each other. It's talking about the movement of the body as a whole. Yes, there are leaders in the body and we follow after men and women of God who are maybe perhaps going ahead. But the body of Christ is meant to work and function together. A small body, you can have small bodies, you can have big bodies, you can have tall bodies, you can have wide bodies. And every little church that Jesus has raised up and anointed and equipped is a body that functions together. So when one of us hurts, someone else hurts. When one of us is healed, we can rejoice with them. The Apostle Paul, let's see if I can find it, talked a lot about, towards the end of his life, going home. But he stayed because his body needed him. For me to die is gain. But for me to stay, it's good for you. The wonderfulness of God allows us all to have a future bright in him. Hallelujah. So on this Father's Day, some of us It's more emotional than others. Some of us still have our parents with us. Some of us still have kids running around. And I don't think a single one of my child has said happy Father's Day yet to me today. (laughs) Oh, Lewis said it. I'm I'm playing. I'm playing. (laughs) I get some hearing aids, my son says. (laughs) But as we celebrate today, you know, we're going to have fun later on. We've got games and food and stuff like that I just wanted to say you know some of us don't have them with us right now and it's hard it's emotional but thank God we know where they are thank God we know the future is so bright in his presence king of glory fill this place We just want to be with you. Until you come again, we will dance. Until you come again, we will sing. Until you come again, we will worship you. For you, King of glory, you fill this place with joy. You fill this place with life. 
You fill this place with freedom. You fill this place with victory. That no matter what stage in life we are, you come and turn it around in every direction. Spin us around if you have to. Flip us upside down. Throw us across the room. We just trust in you. And we believe in you today. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Alson. I really appreciate your ministry. Thank you, Father God. Well, I said this on the intro. If you're, if you're around the corner in Preston, there's free food in about an hour or so. so. And we, we do have cake. We, um, my, my sister-in-law, Amy, last time she came was very upset we did not have cake. So today we have definitely have cake um, for all you cakeaholics. The, the, the funny thing is um, I bought these, these cakes for a friend of ours, well, my brother-in-law's partner's um, birthday. I bought the same cake. So you, you've had, we taste-tested test, taste this cake on the family this week, and we all loved it. So I bought it again. But the great thing is where I bought this cake is they've got several different versions of cheesecake. So in the future... We will have different versions, and we will keep, we'll try them all. This will be our, we'll, we'll try and do it by the end of the year, shall we? It will have a, a, you know, we, you know, as Christians, you know, the old school church, the the, the Catholics and the, the thing, Protestant early church, they they had holidays for everything, didn't they? Someone do some research and find when we can have a cake every Sunday, because I'm sure there's a religious festival every week that we could have cake for. Hallelujah. Well. Let me just find my notes. I'm going to let the children go out in a second, but let me just receive the offering. I feel like um, we haven't really talked about the offering very much lately or you know, ministered on that. So let me just spend five minutes talking a little bit about this because um, we all give in here. I know that. We all are wonderful givers and we're all um, excellent givers. Uh, people who perhaps aren't here today, they give. You know what I mean? So we're a church of giving. We're a giving church. You know, and I thank God I've been brought up in an environment where my family, my parents gave a lot all the time. It took me a little bit longer to get used to the idea of giving. But giving is, is a real awesome way for you to connect with other people. Friends, family, you know, families give to one another. They, they, you know, the mother always gives of herself to the family all the time with very little reward, especially when, Mom, I don't like this. Why'd you cook this, Mom? But the, the parents always are giving to their, fa- their, 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 their children, and hopefully the children give back something one day, occasionally, a hug or two. So giving is a, a wonderful way to connect. And obviously in, in the body of Christ, we're a body. We're supposed to look after one another. So when I give Frankie a, a hug and, and Elson a, a brotherly kiss that we always do every Sunday morning, that's not true. Um, we're not in that culture anymore. If, if I started doing that, we, we might have issues. 
But giving is one of these things that we work on and we love each other and we enjoy each other's company. And what God has done in, in this wonderful passage in, in the Second Corinthians, and I love this because everyone who moans about giving in the body of Christ, and there are people out there, how dare they say these things, like, you know, you don't have to tithe, you don't have to do this, you don't, you don't have to give and all that kind of stuff. And, and I wonder sometimes when people are think like that and talk like that, whether they really understand the value of something. And there's some, we, we always come to these scripture verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we always focus on this bit, that, you know, verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the, but the one who get, plants generously will also get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly under response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We, all, we like to quote that section, we like to push that section all the time. We go, God loves a cheerful giver, so if you're not happy when you're giving... But what, I, what jumped out at me last time I read this was the next verse, verse 8. And we forget this bit. The reason to give is obviously to, you know, enjoy giving. You know, you give because you are happy to do that. If you're doing it in, in a position of like, Elson, here's this wonderful present, but I really don't want to give it you. He's not going to benefit from that. And he's going to know you don't want to give that to him. So the, the, there are such huge benefits in the natural forgiving, but listen to the, what it says in verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. How many of us in the day, today and these days of economic crunches and of interest rises and all that kind of stuff need some generous provision? And you cannot say to me in any way, shape, or form that you giving your finances is not going to help you. Many people, in fact, the people who are anti-prosperity in America, these people who are very anti-prosperity, they preach against it every single week. Some of them have multi-million pound homes living in gated communities because they've made so much money off their anti-prosperity books. It's a bit of a hypocritical situation you find there. In fact, some of the people who believe this the most have far less money than the people who preach against this. And you might sit there and go, well, maybe we should preach against it and maybe we'll, we'll have the prosperity that we're believing for. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. Maybe I need to sell a book to you all that's anti it. And then me and, me and Pastor Luis can move into a gated community. And, and No, of course not, because we believe this with all of our heart. It's God's word, but God's word doesn't just say give. It says this, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Your giving connects you with a God who gives back. Now, you could argue and say, well, you don't give to get. You know what? Did you give anything to God first? Did mankind give God anything first? Never. No matter how far you go back, Adam got everything given to him from day one. He even got a wife given to him. Many might question the wisdom of that gift because it kind of sent us down an interesting path. I'm not an Eve basher, don't worry. But God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. 
And verse 10, it says this, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So the seed in the first place comes from God. So your giving isn't God saying, I need you to give because I haven't got anything. He's saying, I need you to give because I want to give to you. It's a flow. If you have a, if it was possible to have a, bar, a, a silo out there and fill it with grain, and it fills with grain and it's full, and you just left it there, you couldn't put any more grain in it because it was full. So by giving out, you allow your your flow of finances to give into the kingdom, to give into each other. And of course, I'm not just preaching about money to this church. I'm preaching, Robert, give to your wife. Holly, give to your husband. Kids, give to your parents. It's all a flow and a, a wonderful, special relationship that we have with Heavenly Father in, in heaven and in all the spiritual aspects behind it. The, the simple fact is your money is actually part of everything that you own in life. You think about it all the time. You spend all your time trying to get it. There's a whole hold that money has in our lives and finances and careers. And it's great that if you're in a career that you love, it's great that you're there and you're enjoying your job and you know it's it's wonderful that you can do that and you can be in a, a great job and so therefore you get paid for something you love to do. But it's still your time, it's still your energy that you put in and you expect your employer to pay you. And so when you take that money you, and you give it to God, you're saying, God, I'm giving you something that I've worked for, I've lived for, I've thought about, I put effort into, and I put time into. I'm giving this to you. Because we always want to say things like, we want to worship you, God. We want to spend three hours in worship because I'm giving you all my time. And God's saying, that, well, actually, if you just worshiped you for two minutes and gave your tithe, I could do far more with your life. It's a very emotional thing, worship. I love worship. I, we, we, I, Mum Chill blessed me the other week, really saying that he was so happy with the way we do worship in this church because we take a bit of extra time. And the reason why he loved it so much is because we spend a lot of time. If you come here at 8 o'clock, it's a, it's a hive of activity. Me and Frankie usually arguing about why she's late five minutes. And, and it just gets really emotional and, and it gets... But we're a hive of activity for two hours. And, and we're like practical, practical, practical. And then we have this extra time of just worshiping him. And Holly, you, 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 the anointing is increasing on your leading. And it will continue to do so. As you continue to flow. That last song we sang wasn't prepared for. But it was the song we needed to sing. And I want to encourage anyone in this, in this church to understand that. The, we're, you're seeing the flow of the Spirit demonstrated through the worship team. But the worship team aren't the only people who flow in the Holy Spirit. There are th things flow through Veronica and Frankie and different people. Frankie's probably never going to join the worship team, unfortunately. She's, she's requested several times. We've had to deny her application. <laughs> but there's other things that the Holy Spirit can flow through. I've applied for the worship team and singing in a microphone, but I've been denied. But thank God that the, word, that the Holy Spirit doesn't flow through one particular gift. We're a body, remember? 
Hallelujah. So as we receive, Veronica, are you ready to come and tell us how we do that? I know you're not ready, but I'm doing it on purpose because I could see you not being ready. <laughs> she's ready. Shivani says she's ready. So you come and tell us, and then we will let the children go. You can dismiss the children when you're finished. see all the fathers that have gone to glory, so we, we remember them all. Uh, so, let's give joyfully this morning. Who wants to give joyfully? Yay! Hallelujah! So, this probably isn't... Oh, you can see on the screen how to give. You can scan the QR code and give now at www.faithlifecentre.com forward slash give. Just scan the QR code, or you can um, you put it up on the screen, because <laughs> I forgot to bring my phone with me this morning. I'm not doing very well today, am I? <laughs> oh, glory. Jesus loves me. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Woo, welcome to the Faith Life family. <laughs> this is going. There, you can go, you can, oh, you can give in the building. These ushers are going around with the buckets, or you can give by our little machine at the back of the building. Um, can you just bring that down so that we can show that little? I talk about this little machine every week. I love using this little machine. Um, it's my little friend. But let's just have a look at what we're talking about this morning. I'm just going with the flow this morning. <laughs> See? See this little machine? You just tap in whatever amount you want to give and you just tap your card on the front. You don't even have to do anything. You just tap your card and it takes whatever you've put in to give. That's amazing, isn't it? We don't even have to have buckets. We've got our little machine. Or you can go online and you can... Oh, we've done that one. Go online. I'm not doing very well this morning, am I? Pray. Okay, we'll just pray this morning. There, look, my little assistant here. He's showed you how much, how to put the money in. There we go. Yep, a million pounds. Thank you, Jesus, a million. Hallelujah. Seriously, Father God, we just come joyfully before you this morning. We bring our offerings, we bring our tithes, and we sow it into good soil. And we thank you, Father for the privilege of being able to do this. It is a privilege to give and sow into your kingdom. So we come this morning joyfully. Lord, you love a joyful giver. We cannot outgive our God. Our God doesn't need our finances. He needs our heart. So we just thank you, Father, this morning. We just pray over every penny that comes into this, this ministry. We pray, Father God, that you will show us how to best use and steward, be good stewards of every penny, Father God, that will be sowed into this kingdom. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor because you, Lord, are worthy. Amen. Over to Pastor Andy. Hello. Yeah, there's no song this morning. Children, you are dismissed. <laughs>
Well, I've just had a text message from uh, Jerry Stone saying he's watching from Cairo. So I don't know if you remember Jerry. He ministered here a few months back, but he's also very close friends of all of us. Um, so good morning, Jerry, if you're still there. Um, it's a wonderful sunny day, it looks like. I've, I've already said that if it starts raining, we'll, we will cut the service and go get the barbecue out very quickly. So, uh, Amy, are you ready to go? Yeah, I've got an apron and everything. Um, so, welcome to church this morning, and um, I'm going to just refocus. God, the heart that I have for, for this service, really, is something that I'm playing out as we minister. So, just work with me on this. If we go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, let's start there in my notes. And we'll see where God takes us. Um, Pastor Joel's devotional has been focused very much on the last three weeks on communion. So if we feel led to, we'll have communion again today. Um, really focusing, in fact, I didn't know this, but last week I preached on Psalm 23, and that's kind of this week's devotional. So I was a week ahead, so I've got a, a week of grace, so I can preach where, no, <laughs> to, to, to go back into Psalm 23. But um, I hope you enjoyed last week. Um, it was a real refreshing time, even though it was hard to, to minister. And I thank God that Pastor Jeremy was up from Living Faith um, last week to, to kind of just to kind of tag team. It's funny because me and, me and Jeremy had known each other for years, and we've quite often um, he's come to our house and we, we shared cups of coffee and, and things for some reason he likes to drink a cup of coffee at nine o'clock at night I, I don't quite get that I could not do that but um, we've always talked about tag team preaching um, in the olden days in the old school days of um, the 1930s whatever early days of Pentecost there was a lot more emphasis on who had the anointing at that moment so if Smith Wigglesworth turned up to a meeting, quite often he'd get asked to speak without him actually being on the cards to speak because everyone knew he carried something. So many of us need to, to really think along these lines of what do we carry? If I came in on a Sunday morning and asked any of you to preach, could you get up and preach? And it's, this is something that, that Rayma really, really emphasized. Brother Hagen used to talk about these kind of things a lot. Was the, and he would do this quite a lot. In fact, I've seen watch, watch videos of him just pull people out. And I've done this to you guys a lot. And I know that I do this quite, quite a bit. And pulled them up and said, right, you've got a word, you've got a word, you've got a word. And there's one video that I saw. And one lady just said, I haven't got anything. And so she just walked off. And then somebody else picked up on it and then preached for 45 minutes. So that says a couple of things. Either that lady, the first lady, wasn't ready to preach, or she just didn't have anything. It doesn't really matter. But my point being, the person who carried the, the message actually preached for 45 minutes because she had something on the inside of us. How important that is. And in these, this day and age where we're in a place where people could just break down and cry in front of you, Without you even wondering, you know, I've mentioned this before, the anointing on the inside of you will draw out things that are happening in people's lives. And if you're not ready and sharp enough to understand, they're actually pulling on what's on the inside of you. It's called spiritual awareness. And, I, and God's really challenging me this year. The word that God's given me this year for me personally is to become skillful. Skillful in ministry, but also skillful being aware being aware of what's going on in the spirit realm. Being aware of what's 
what, what's necessary. In fact, I was listening to a story. It was really quite a, a dramatic story last night. I was listening to a minister tell him about one of his associate ministers who was going into Mexico to help build a house. Now, this, in this place, there was obviously a really strong drug cartel presence. And this, this drug cartel had said to uh, the, the people that there will never be a church in this area. Do not build a church. Now, uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown got a hold of this and knew the pastor and wanted to help the pastor because this pastor had like eight kids or something like this and they were living in this shack of a house. And of course, Brother Rodney, when he's going to build something, he isn't going to build you a, a two up, two down. He built this like mansion of this place. So the minister who was telling the story, his associate pastor was there to help. He was a builder and he was just helping out building this. And this drug cartel guy would come by every day and say, what are you building? Well, we're building a house. We're building this, this glorious house for this pastor. Are you building a church? No, no, we're not building a church. We're building a house for the pastor. He'd come by every day. And this guy wasn't just a drug cartel kind of run-of-the-mill guy. He was actually one of the assassins. They call them Sicarios or whatever it is. There's a film you can watch and know a bit more about all that. But he was actually somebody who would have come along and shot the guy if he had said, we're building a church. And what's really interesting is that one day he came up to this guy, this builder, and he said, hey, are you building a church? No. Okay, fine, that's great. But can you come back to my house? Can you get in the car? And come back to this house. Now, bearing in mind, this guy would have, you know, you don't generally go to Mexico and meet a drug cartel guy and get in his car. That's not usually end well. So he got, he felt, and, and this is where you don't, you might think, well, what, where is this all going? Well, he was aware. He knew what was going on. God let him and gave a sense of peace. He understood he had to go. He go, went with him. And this hard man, this evil, this evil man, this man who'll kill you in a second, took him to his house and broke down in tears and said, I need help. Can you pray for me? And this guy went to pray for him. And he hit the floor. He started slithering like a snake. This guy. Demonic manifestation. And of course he prayed for him. And he came out of this situation. Cast the devil out of him. And what was really interesting. What, what the point of my story is. This guy was on the floor. Writhing. And he had a vision. Of two people. The devil stood there. And Jesus stood there. And the devil, what he, was he saying to this guy? He said, he said to him, I've given you everything. I've given you women. I've given you money. I've given you property and houses. What more do you want from me? And Jesus said, I died for you. Set free, this guy. And what happened was this, this drug guy was obviously so high up in this spiritual atmosphere, you know, he carried the negative, the devil himself almost, if you like to say. It's not obviously not Satan himself, but he carried a spiritual power and set him free. And that whole area was able to open up for the gospel. The church wants to do things in prayer and cast down this and do this and all that kind of stuff. But if you have one connection with one person, it will transform a whole area and region. Powerful stuff. Spiritual awareness and accountability is crucial in these last days. As ministers, yes, of course, 
people who are put into a position of leadership, a position of oversight. But yes, there's an accountability and a spiritual awareness that is coming on the body of Christ to deal with far higher levels of spiritual authority and power. And we're responsible for that as a church in this region. I don't know if anyone, if Frankie told every, everyone the, the, the dream that she had a few months back when we kind of came to this church. She had a dream. And she saw this lady, this, I don't know what she must have looked like, but it was obviously a witch. And she said to Frankie, you will not preach the gospel in this area. Frankie told me about it, and we just laughed. You know, well, what else do you do when the devil's trying to do something? You can laugh. Tell you another thing that happened this year. There was the International Satanic Convention in Boston. The International Satanic Convention. You know how many people turned up? That's 60. International. 60 people. They couldn't fill a ballroom. That's how much power the devil really holds. He's nothing. And then we always say things like, well, the demons in the UK and America are just the demons who couldn't make it in Africa. They're wimpy. And, you know, go to Africa, you've got to deal with some real, real nasty ones. And I'm sure that's partly true. But for a believer, it holds no sweat. Nothing. Because all he has is, but what did God say? That's all he has. What did God say? All he has. Do you not think that Goliath was probably demon-possessed? He held the whole nation of Israel in fear. And one little boy took a run at him with the full backing of Almighty God. The equivalent of Lewis or Menashe just running at this big man. And of course, my kids have just discovered on Netflix this TV show called The Big Show. Um, and he's called, this guy called The Big Show. He's a WWE wrestler. And he's seven foot tall. And he's big. Compared to someone like Lewis or Menashe, he was, he's huge. Compared, you know, he picks up his wife. His wife has to actually stand up like, like this to just look him in the eyes. I mean, I think they probably hired a short actress just to make it more funny. But, you know, she, he just picks him up. That's like Goliath. And Goliath's probably taller and bigger than that. But just imagine someone that, that in the natural, how massive they are and strong they are, that that's a scary figure in himself. But possessed by a, a demonic force, it will drive fear into the person who has no revelation of who they are in Christ Jesus. I mean, I'm not somebody who's encountered much of this in my ministry life. I think a lot of the time my ministry has is, is been very short. So I've not had time to encounter some of that. But I'm believing these things and I'm going down this lines. In fact, Pastor Joel six months ago talked to me about this. About what we will encounter in Preston and encounter in things in, 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 as, we, as we grow as a church. The, the, the conflict and the friction that's going to take place between light and darkness. It's going to get sharper and more dramatic and more explosive. 
It may be subtle sometimes. It may be simple. In fact, I'm just telling you stories of things that I've heard other people talk about, but I'm believing it's real. There's a minister the other, a couple of months back. He basically had to get to Canada for a certain time because after COVID, they had not enough staff on the border. So he had to fly out by one o'clock from his church to Canada to be able to get into the church that he was going to minister in the evening. And if he didn't leave at that time, he wouldn't have got in. He would have been stuck because the customs weren't allowed. So he was preaching away, quarter one came, and he was preaching the gospel, he was an evangelist, he was preaching it hard, he was preaching it fantastically, you know what I mean, just really giving it, and then, oh, actually, I've got to get on my plane. Now, the plane was only two minutes down the road, so that wasn't an issue. But he thought, I need to do an altar call, I'll do a really fast altar call. I'll get them up here, got the people up there. And of course, five minutes to go, one of the ladies, boom, falls on the phone and starts slithering around the thing, he's like, oh, my got to get my plane. I can't, I, I've got to deal with this now. Why, why now? And in fact, what he did was he didn't even say in the name of Jesus. He just looked at the time, showed him the watch, and he said, get out. I've got to go. And this demonic spirit just left. Obviously, him being uh, needing to be on time was enough power and authority to deal with this. He actually picked the woman up and smacked her in the face and said, are you all right? Just pray this quick prayer in the name of Jesus. And put her back down and go, got back up, closed the surface, and went out and got on the plane. Why am I telling them this story? The power and the authority of the believer. It's simple. When I prayed for this lady in Kenya, and I may have told this story before, I had a a long healing line or a long prayer line, and this woman looked at me in in her eyes, and she could not look at me. She just kept like this. And it was obvious that something was wrong with her. And it just was simple. And I I thought, I've always thought in my life, you know, when you get a little, but I've grown up in this kind of stuff. I've heard stories. I've heard the kind of things. And I thought maybe I'd shake in my boots or something like that. But you know what? The love of God, the compassion, and the power and the authority of God that dwells within me. I looked at this lady, and she's just like, and I just said in the name of Jesus, and it was done in a matter of minutes. There's no fear when the Christian has to deal with the enemy. I'll quote another minister this, that I heard this week. I like quoting other people. I don't, you know, it's not because I don't believe it and I'm relying on somebody else to say it. I just hear something and I think, that's good. And his title of his sermon was this, Stop Believing for Something You Don't Want. So many Christians, we're fighting against something that has been defeated. We're fighting and struggling and trying to receive from a God who loves us. We're fighting an enemy that does have no power. And we're actually preparing ourselves for the worst all the time. We're believing for things that we don't want. We're worrying about things. We're stressing and and, and trying to get solutions for situations and circumstances that we really, really, really just should just, just chill. Fear and, and frustration and, and and outside of faith living is not the life of the believer. The believer lives by faith, walks by faith, sings by faith, talks by faith, hugs by faith. Faith is the life of of the believer who walks in something that's so fueled it on the inside of them that they say, I can do the impossible because the possible one lives inside of me. The possible one lives inside of me. Not the impossible one. God's not sitting there going, that's impossible. What, what are you doing, love? 
I can't help you there. It's too big for me. I'm in heaven. You're down there. There's no way I can come and help you. You know what? This is what's the, the clicking point, the, the, the light switch moment that we need to have, the light bulb moment that needs to happen is to realize that Jesus already came. He's already come. He's already, come. He's already delivered. He, the Amazon delivery driver has dropped the package off at your door. Just open it up. Too many people want to look at this Bible and just go, oh, there's a nice, lovely ribbon on it. It's beautiful, wonderful. I'm just going to put it there. I'm going to stand on the Bible. But they never open it up. An Amazon delivery driver doesn't care whether you open the package or not. He just knows he's got it at the right address. And even if it's been delivered to the next door, unless you have a horrible neighbor, generally you can knock on the door and ask for it back. Our neighbor's pretty good. She sees us and straight round knocking on the door. You know, it's a bit unfair, really, because she has a lot of packages delivered to us, so we kind of get a little bit jealous, don't we? Far more packages than she deserves. We, we're always tempted to open them, aren't we? And we're like, well, that one looks nice. That one, that, that, I wonder what that is. <laughs> uh, okay, Louise doesn't. I do. I'm, you know, I'm just a bit more nutty. But those packages that God has given you and sent your way, it, 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 very, very rarely do they miss the mark. But generally, we're just not in the building. We're the ones who are not, never around when God delivers and says, we're the ones who miss it. We can't blame God ever. There's never a situation in life where you can blame God for something that you're going through. But God led Jesus into the wilderness, yes. But what happened in the wilderness? Jesus spent time with God. The devil came, and all he said was, it is written three times, and the, the devil ran off. And he didn't, he, you know, if he was this big, bad, evil devil, do you not think he would have tried a little bit harder? If your little boy comes up to you and starts lying to you, and generally, as a parent, you know exactly when they start doing it. They, they kind of like have a sparkle in their eye, and they're trying to get something from you. And you just know that they just haven't brushed their teeth, or they just haven't. But I have brushed my teeth. You know that. And, and there's never a, a moment where, as a parent, you sit there going, oh, my gosh, this child's going to wingle me out of it, and he's going he's gonna to steal everything from me, and uh, he's, he's going to like rob me blind. This, this, this five-year-old child is not capable of taking everything that I own away from me that's really the picture of the enemy he just comes to us with these little goggle eyes and says did God really say that and we just sit there and go well actually maybe and, and on the front door is knock 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 Here's your package, here's your package. And we're sitting in the front and we just turn the volume on the TV up louder and say, oh, the delivery driver's not here. He must have missed me. He must, I, I, I must have been in the garden. He didn't, I didn't hear the knock. But yet this delivery driver's banging on the door trying to get this package into your hands. He knows it's important. He knows that next day delivery is important. He wants to get his money. He wants to deliver it. But we sit there going, fighting and fussing and just, just oh, I'm just going to watch some more TV. I'm just going to do my laundry. I'm going to go outside and ignore the fact that God Almighty has delivered the very thing that I need every single day. Daily he loads me up with benefits. 
That delivery driver, doesn't, he, he actually literally parks outside you. Those angels are just running around. Just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. They probably actually have an angel specifically on your front doorstep taking the packages from the angels that are delivering them. And he's just saying, right, oh, there's, there's the healing. There's this. I'm going to organize this. And if they would just open the door and believe God and pick it up and eat. What did Jeremiah say? I, Jeremiah say, I eat the words. I eat these words. I spend time in these words. The treasure that God has put in this word makes us come alive. Father's Day is an important day because we recognize the men in our lives, the people who would stand firm. But quite often we've had, a, I remember back in Youth with a Mission, we had a, a course uh, in the discipleship training course all about Father's Heart. And they were trying to get you to understand God's heart. But people's lives and people's mindsets with, with their own natural fathers is so messed up they don't understand God's father. I remember when my dad apologized for not being a great dad to me once. And I, and I thought, it's okay, dad. It's fine. Don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm okay. I've got this. <laughs> I was old enough to understand that. But our natural fathers can never fully convince us of who God is. But I tell you what, we can do a really good job if we just get in the Word. Robert, get in the Word, show your kids what God's like. Elson, get in the Word, show your kids what God's like. All provider, all comforting, all get alongside, lift them up, gird about them. Never see your children fail because you're there beside them. And make them feel like everything that you have is theirs. My son doesn't even ask me to pick up my 5,000 pound camera. He just goes and gets it and goes for a walkabout and starts taking pictures. He doesn't even care that I spent a lot of money buying that camera. That if he broke it, I could not just go to you know, the camera store down the road and replace it. I'd have to find one and I'd have to make effort to get a new one. He doesn't care. My kids don't care when they, they, they open the fridge. They see the whole fridge as a treasure chest. They can say, whatever's in there, I can eat right now. I don't care when my dinner is. I don't care, care whatever it is. I'm going to have six packets of crisps as mommy is cooking dinner because they don't care because everything they see that we have purchased is theirs for the taking. That's what their eyes see. The dog is even worse. <laughs> Give him an inch. Oh, my word. I tell you, that I had one of the nicest sausage rolls the other day. I was just sitting there munching it away, and the end fell off. And I was like, slow motion, that dog was in. Ate the rest of my sausage roll. Thank God I bought two pies and not just one. <laughs> this is why I don't like my mother being in the church service, because you see, if I say something that she doesn't know about, she's like, you had two pies? To my other mother-in-law, so used to, to her, her, her husband eating so much food that it's just it's like water off a door. I learned everything I know from him <laughs> when it comes to eating food. Because my dad was a, a little bit of a mouse when he ate food sometimes. <laughs> didn't pick and didn't really finish his plate. I was just thinking about that. The reason I always finish my plate is it used to, it used to wind me up that my dad always left something on his plate. <laughs> Anyway, it's Father's Day. 
Where was I? I don't even know where I was. See, this treasure chest that we have in this Bible, and I was going to Galatians chapter 3, I think at least half an hour ago. And I will, I do want to finish a little bit earlier because we have to, we have to barbecue. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way Abraham believed God and counted him as righteous because of his faith. The Holy Spirit And the working of miracles flows in this place, not because we obey the law, but because of our faith in him. The treasury chest of this word operates and functions in our heart and flows through us by the spirit of God because of our activity that involves faith in God. Mark 11, 22. Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Operate in faith at the level that God operates. The enemy has nothing on us when we walk in faith. Because our trust is in him. The enemy really is not really something we should ever talk about. The devil, we don't need to talk about him. He's a defeated foe. And if we focus on the word of God, if we focus on the things of God, if we focus on life in God, I tell you, I love that song, when, when, when everything, you focus on him, everything goes strangely dim, everything of this world just falls away. Just You focus on Jesus and everything just... In fact, there's been times when I've listened to the word and meditated on the word of God and I've gone, well, you know what, I'm going to take half an hour and I'm going to watch a TV show. And, and I just put the TV show and end up turning it off because it's just so there. Yeah. And I'm not against TV shows. Me and Amy will always have conversations about TV shows and what we're watching and what we're enjoying and, and what we kind of like to have. I'm a creative person. I like books. I like reading things. There's nothing wrong with connecting to this world in a way that kind of brings joy and, and, and life into, you, into your being. You, you are a, a being that's spirit, soul, and body. In your soul, your emotional realm, there's nothing wrong with you just connecting with certain things. But I tell you, the more you press into God, the things of this world will just fade away. Strangely dim. You just, it's, it's almost like, God, you're so beautiful and so wonderful and so amazing. Why would I want to touch this other stuff? The treasure. I think, do we need to give uh, Frankie some more authority in there? Or something? <laughs> the kids, kids seem to be winning the, uh, the, the, the battle today, don't they? I, I, I said this before, I love having kids in church. Because I tell you, when you go to a church that hasn't got kids, you notice the difference. Hallelujah. 
the Holy Spirit and miracles among you works because you believe the message. Why we work so hard on a Sunday morning to preach the word of God. Why we try and encourage us to believe the fire and the Holy Ghost and all those things. Because the workings of the God Almighty in our midst is what's going to bring burdens, removing yoke, destroying power to actually rest on each and every one of us. And the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, can bubble up freely when there's no burden. When you're not stressed, how easy is it to laugh? Now, many ministers go the other way and say, when you're under pressure, just start laughing. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Ho, ho, ho. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to dance on purpose. Sometimes you have to put pressure on your emotions and your feelings. Everything that's coming against you, you have to stand up and push through and, and, and just clobber them and just really just defeat what's coming against you in the natural. You have to make that first step in the natural. You see, such as I have, I give unto you. When Apostle Peter pulled that guy up, he could have probably just flopped there and said, I don't want what you have. I'm not receiving from the spirit of faith. But I believe that that guy must have seen something in Peter and John as they walked past. When he started begging and said, I want money, I want arms, I want, I want finances from you. And the P Apostle Peter had the spirit of faith hooked up on him. This, this guy must have saw, heard rumors of, of people who are walking around like Jesus, people who are doing things that were, that were praying like Jesus, that were praying for people. He must have heard something. He must have thought, I missed it. Jesus died on a cross. He, we, I've seen him walk past me. I saw the man of God walk past me. And he never once turned and, and, allowed me, and allowed me to stand up. I never got an opportunity. But when Peter walked up and said, such as I have and I give unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up. I, he saw and he grabbed a hold of the opportunity that the Holy Ghost smacked him in the face with. The Amazon delivery driver turned up in full glory and said, rise up and walk. And that man jumped up and he walked and he leaped and he praised God. But you know, he could have just rejected that flat out. And that's what the problem with the church is. Most of us aren't just ready to go. Let's be ready. Let's be ready. Every single day, let's be ready for the fire of God to turn up and be released in our lives. Let's be ready to, to Christina, who wears different shoes every single week. I think I'm, I'm, I'm counting. It's three weeks in a row now, so I'm waiting until next week to see what happens. She's ready to go. Fresh shoes on. Fresh dancing shoes. We replace the, the, the garments of despair and grief for righteousness and joy and peace and life. Great treasure. You know, I will look to close in a few seconds because I'm getting hungry. I see we've got the onions ready to go on the, to sizzle. We've got the chicken marinating in my car. Don't worry, it's in cooler. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not going to turn. The cookies might be melting, but, you know, and the cake. How to close the church service quick? Start talking about food. <laughs> People's minds just. <laughs> you know Jesus, who he is? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you know he's your brother? Have you ever seen a lion in Africa? on a bench 
And he goes, hey, brother, hey, bro. All right, all right. And, and there's a little kitty cat kitten goes, hey, bro. The brother of a lion is not a kitty cat. The brother of a lion is not a tortoise. The brother of a lion is not a wiggly worm. The brother of a lion is a lion. You and I are lions. We are not sheep in the spirit realm. You see, you can be called a sheep because we are sheep in, 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 the, in the context of Jesus leading us as a shepherd. But when you're talking about who you are in Christ Jesus, your joint heirship, your brotherhood, the, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the birthright that you hold, the, the, the freedom from the curse of the law, the blessing that lives on side of you, you stand up on four legs and you roar in the spiritual realm. You speak the name of Jesus and nations shake. You speak the name of Jesus and sickness and disease falls off. You speak the name of Jesus and prosperity rushes to your aid and meets your every single need because you are the victorious one. You are the faith-filled one. You are the believing one. You are the lion that is related to the very lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's what the enemy will see when you raise up and stand up with your shoulders back and say, I'm walking it out because my relationship with God is so real, so alive, so passionate. No fear here. We have no fear here. Let me finish where we started last week. And I won't preach it. I'll just read it just to remind us. Because this is the day that we live in. As Pastor Paul Brady has been preaching Psalm 23, 2023. This is the year that we are living in. This is the year strong and free in 2023. This is the year. This is the place. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. King of glory, fill this place. Fill this place with your power. Fill this place with your victory. Fill this place with your presence. We will dance here. We will worship you here. We know you're coming back soon. And we will not be moved. We will be not shaken. We will stand. We will dance. We will run. We will shout. We have the victory won inside of us. We have the life of the living God inside of us. We are yours to use and to send us forth into this world full of your presence. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we thank you, Father God, for everything that you are doing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you had any doubt in your heart,
that God loves you, that God is on your side, that God is doing something in, in your life, no matter what it's looked like, no matter what you think it's been like, I challenge you this morning to fill yourself up with the truth of the word of God that says the faith that lives inside of you is the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith, your treasure chest, let the shepherd lead you into a place of no wanting. And we give you all the glory. Father, we worship you. We thank you for this service today.